0: Excellent friends, uh we are going to continue in our series on on Genesis and uh, uh I I want to spend just a few moments. Um I, I I honestly the conversation we just had could could be the the talk and we could just end right here but um, for the sake of not getting behind in this series, I do want to spend a few moments in the, in the scripture, and I think it's actually strangely relevant to what we're talking about. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, you can turn to Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to read a few passages, share some brief reflections, and then uh, we'll move on. So here it is, Genesis chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 1, it says this. It says, Adam made love to his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. I want to pause there for a second. What's really interesting about this verse is she says that uh, um, I have brought forth a man. The language here is very similar to uh, when God said that he had taken a rib out of Adam and brought forth this woman. And so this is like playing on the idea that that woman came from man and then man came from woman in this sort of dance of neutrality. And so she gives birth to two boys. And what I want to spend just a few seconds on is, is this idea of two brothers, two sons, the older and the younger, is a theme. It is throughout Genesis. So that's why I don't want to skip over this story. That's why I want to name it for a second. Um, it's a, this is a theme that happens throughout Genesis, throughout the Old Testament, and it shows up in the teachings of Jesus as well. So here's what happens. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for the reading of your word, and we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, we still live in a world of Cain's and abels, uh, brothers, people who share a deep tie, uh, people who are created in the image of God, who find themselves jealous and angry for hatred and violence. So come, Lord, show us a better way. In your name, amen. Anytime you read scripture and something happens, especially something that isn't explained very well, you have to ask yourself the question, uh, what should have happened? What would have been expected to happen? So so Cain and Abel, this is a story, and if you go through the story, uh, theologians have wrestled with this. Like, why did God choose Cain? Abel's sacrifice over Cain's. And there's a variety of theories. Some of them are tied to the fact that Abel offered uh, livestock or animals and Cain offered grains. But you have to remember this is before the law. This is before God said what he wanted to be offered as a sacrifice. This is they're they're offering it sort of out of this innate desire to, to be made right with God on their own accord. That's the implication. There's no law at this point. Moses hasn't come, and there's no there's no law. So so we don't really know. And even in the law, both grain offerings and animal offerings were appropriate. So it's not necessarily the fact that one was a uh, a shepherd and one was a farmer, although there is sort of an ancient rivalry there. Um, The other sort of thought is that maybe it was because Abel offered the firstborn. And it was like special and it was the best. Whereas that isn't said of Cain's offering. It just says that he offered grain. And so we don't know, maybe, maybe it wasn't so good. Either way, when you look at this story, there isn't really a clear picture as to why God would favor one over the other. But this is what we do get, that God did favor one over the other. And that's an interesting shift in the story. It's an interesting shift because God says, I really like what Abel's doing over here. Cain, I wasn't super impressed. It makes God personal. It makes God have some sort of preference. And and, and it sets up a storyline that happens throughout Scripture. So we look at this and you say, why is this going on? The, The answer isn't necessarily in the text, but what we do know is this. Throughout the rest of the Bible, this story continues between two brothers And every time you see this, God tends to favor the younger brother, like Abel, as opposed to the older brother. This is the story of Jacob and Esau. We'll get to them in a number of weeks (laughs) when we get there in Genesis, is the story of Joseph and his brothers. Joseph was a firstborn, but of a second wife. Um, And so he wasn't the oldest in the family, even though he was a firstborn of that family, of that wife, he wasn't the firstborn. And so uh, his brothers get jealous of the favor that he experiences. They don't kill him, they imprison him, sell him as a slave and God still uses him. But it's also the story of David. If you remember the King David, David was such, so young and such a runt that he was out taking care of the sheep. He wasn't even on the docket. It wasn't even an option to be king when when Samuel came to visit. And and that's when Samuel says this beautiful line that God looks at what's on the inside, not what we see. And this is one of the best pictures we get of maybe what was going on in the Cain and Abel story, is that God looked at Cain and Abel and he knew what was going on on the inside. What we do know about this uh, in the Old Testament and in ancient culture is that the older brother was the one you would assume God loved the most. The older brother was the one who had, well, let me not be subtle. The older brother had a certain level of privilege. That's just how the culture ran. In fact, Deuteronomy said that the older brother, the firstborn, the first male born in a family would receive a larger portion of the inheritance. There was a certain implication that the, the, the oldest brother, the oldest son would receive more than everyone else. And that's just how the culture worked. That's how biblical law was written. That's just how it worked. The older would be favored. And that, my friends, is what makes this story and every other story about two brothers so interesting is that God, in some sort of strange way, knowing that the older sibling would be favored, chooses the younger. In fact, when Jacob and Esau are born later in the book of Genesis, God even proclaims in this really beautiful um, phrase, uh, talking to um, uh, to his uh, uh to their mom. It says, Two nations are in your womb. This is uh, Genesis 25, 23. Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you will be separated. They were twins. One people will be stronger than the other. And it says, The older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. We see this play out in Jesus' narrative as well. He tells us one of Jesus' most famous parables is about two sons there's the older son and the younger son. And the younger son doesn't do anything right. The younger son takes his smaller inheritance and runs off and engages in all kinds of luxurious living till he runs out of his money, ends up in a pigsty and goes back home. And that's where the story really picks up. The dad runs to meet the younger son and then throws a party. And if you look at the story closely, the parable of the prodigal son, the older brother is mad just like Cain, that God, that the father would still love this weaker, less broken son. All of this leads me to this passage in Romans that I want to share with or in 1 Corinthians, my bad, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. When I think about God consistently choosing the younger, it's this thing we learn about God. So much of Genesis telling us who God is, God often chooses those who are unexpected. God often chooses those who um, are overlooked. And God does that on purpose because they're overlooked. So if that's you, if you're a person who just feels like you don't have anything to offer, you don't have anything to bring to the table, you're the type of person that God wants to choose. In fact, this is how Paul says in First Corinthians chapter one, it says, um, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. He's talking to the Corinthian church. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Which is such a great thing to write to people. You know, think of think about how you were when you were a Christian. Not many of you were very smart. Not many of you were influential. Like thanks, Paul, just layering it on here, the praise. Not many were of noble birth, you know, like you guys weren't that big of a deal. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast. Before him. That's the point. I've never been more upset or more angry than when I think I deserve something. You tell me a time when you're mad, you get really mad about something, you feel slighted, and tell me it's not because you felt like you deserved something. So much of my Cain's anger and my anger and frustration is because I put myself in a place where I assume I deserve more than I get my expectations are unhealthy what it means to be a christ follower is this god chooses us not because of what we have to offer but because of what god can do in us and and if you are a follower of christ we get to celebrate our weaknesses we get to say you know what it's not about my privilege um, i have to name that i have to work through it the things that kind of come easily for me i got to name that because to be a christ follower is to follow christ into lowering myself to humbling myself and recognizing that the only thing I can really boast in is what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we give you thanks. Um, Lord, we we ask that you would make us weak. Lord, as strange as that is, as difficult as that is, we ask that you would make us weak, that you would help us surrender um our pride our privilege the places of honor that we tend to celebrate help us to surrender that to fall to our knees to worship you to recognize that this life that we have in you is not because we've earned it because or because that I'm that I'm in some way like deserve it but because of your grace and your love you created us for a purpose you made us in your image Help us not to fall into the temptation of comparison, jealousy, or hatred. Help us to be used. Elevate our weaknesses. Humble us that you might use us. In your name we pray. Amen.